Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Welcome to episode 28 of Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today, I talk Tantra with Paige. She is a naturopathic coach. In this episode, Paige and I chat about herbal and holistic methods for sexual wellness, looking at both preventative care, but also offering remedies for common sexual and reproductive illnesses and conditions, including natural birth control, how to induce menstruation, common STIs and STDs, erectile dysfunction, and more. So welcome to the podcast, Paige. Why don't you start by telling us about about your journey with your wellness and how you how you got into this space. I began this journey um, really when I was 19 years old. I was living in South Dakota and found out I was pregnant with my first daughter, Olive, who is now six. And the relationship I was in at the time was very toxic. And I went through a lot of self-doubts about being a mother and how I was going to be able to show up for this child, especially being so young. And really it was during my pregnancy with Olive that I started to tune into what it means to be connected to energy and spirit and what it's like to have two spirits in my body and really putting time and attention into creating a child within my womb rather than just kind of letting the process happen, being very intentional about what I'm thinking about and how I'm tapping in with her and meditating every day to be able to connect deeper with her spirit. And so that's really what started the mindful practice of being in tune. And then from there, after having Olive, wasn't until she was born that I really started thinking about what I was feeding her. It was when she started eating solid food and uh, knew I wanted to give her the best, of course, but didn't know exactly what that looked like. So I started doing some research and that's really when I was like, oh yeah, organic, that's the thing that I should be doing. And so buying all organic baby food and then started making my own baby food with organic products. And that just kind of snowballed into my vegan journey that I just shared on my Instagram page and what that process was like for me becoming a vegan. And all things together with the vegan journey, I do believe that it has created and given me some amazing insight to how to really take care of my body in a good way. And that's really where the journey began was becoming a new mother and wanting to take care of another child, another being in the best way. And that's how I kind of like got to this place of bringing in more insight and awareness to how I'm living myself. Wow. Beautiful. Very nurturing path. Then I love that. Yeah. Um, Cool. So getting into this journey, 
and how it's progressed with time. And you, and it's obviously, you know, you start with like applying this to your child and then like it becomes more of a practice with yourself. And then now you're sharing this, this journey with clients. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about like kind of what you're offering now or what you're excited about or how this has evolved into like your current path? Yeah. Absolutely. So that was just like the tip of the iceberg, beginning of my journey of insightful mindfulness path and what that looks like. But since then, it's really evolved. And I have gone to a few different herbalism schools at this point and taken some different enlightenment coaching certifications and have now gone from taking one-on-one clients, which I was doing for a couple of years as a naturopathic coach to now I'm teaching others how to become a naturopathic coach themselves and take on their own clients and really learning the ins and outs of the body and natural remedies, as well as how our body responds to different toxins or foods or fats, you know, all of the different things that we are continuously uh, absorbing either through our body or through our skin and taking in how our body is processing those things and how we can really be active to give our body the foundation to be the most vital body to be able to carry us through this experience. Beautiful. And are there any specific like schools or lineages or like whatever that you follow, like Ayurveda or like Chinese medicine or is like what, what, where does your practice come from? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have studied a couple of years in Ayurveda medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, and done a couple of months in traditional Chinese medicine, TCM, and not super well-versed in the TCM, but I think that the Ayurveda combined with the traditional Chinese medicine really gives a good overview and a good foundation to be able to understand herbal energetics and what that looks like when you start utilizing herbs. So For example, nettle. I don't know if you're familiar with the herb nettle, but it's a very amazing, nutritive, nourishing herb. If you are drinking nettle tea, it is full of different vitamins and minerals and just drinking the tea, you don't even have to eat the leaves. It's your body is able to extract those nutrients really easily, but nettle is extremely drying. It's drying in the third degree. So when you're drinking nettle, you'll notice that you will get so dry. Your skin will start to dry out. You might need more water. And that is one of the key herbal energetics of the nettle plant is being very nutritive, but very drying. So Mm. being able to see where herbs have their place and where they can be really well utilized, but then also being able to create a herbal blend that will be supportive in all ways. So nettle is very nutritive, but extremely drying. So if you live somewhere like Colorado, it's going to be so drying for you, but you can use it in a blend with a vena sativa or oats, oat straw, and that will give it a more balanced way of interacting with your body because a vena or oat straw is very moistening and mucilaginous. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think that's really important because I feel like myself especially, but I'm sure that there's lots of listeners out there that are thinking like, I take so many supplements without realizing what's like what's going on. And like, I've definitely had 
times where I over, I over consumed like a certain supplement or a certain vitamin. And I ended up like having like an overdose reaction because I'm very sensitive. So it's interesting Mm. to be aware of those sorts of things as well when you're going into that space. So I appreciate that perspective a lot. Yeah. I would love to know what vitamins or supplements you were taking where you had that experience if you want to share. Yeah, it was vitamin C. I took a bunch of vitamin C. <laughs> and your body just rejected it. It was like, this is too much. Yeah, I, almost, I had like flu-like symptoms. That's what I was going to say, like an emetic effect. Emetic being like vomiting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was fine in the end. And like to be completely transparent, because I feel like this is what the podcast is about. It was actually, it was a, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, right when I started, I was, I was following more of the, um, natural, um, natural, what's the word, like where the, where you follow like your cycle, mm-hmm. bam, I guess, like, or fertility awareness method. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, I was late, like only a couple of days, but because it was like my, it was the early days of not having a, and like, you know, a birth control pill or an IUD. I was super stressed and anxious and I freaked out and I, you know, had learned that like, if you take vitamin C, it helps like your blood clot or something. I don't know, you know, better than me, but yeah, (laughs) interesting. Yeah. Vitamin K helps your blood clot, not vitamin C, but vitamin C is really good for being able to absorb your nutrients. So Um, I wonder sometimes when you take in too much vitamin C or vitamin A, they can have an enigmatic effect, especially vitamin A, but vitamin C too sometimes, where you'll start to get flu-like symptoms, like you mentioned. Yeah, it was, it, I had taken it to like induce my period and it worked. Like I started my period within 24 hours, but I also had flu-like symptoms for like 48 hours. So um, yeah. it was not the best, um, the best remedy. So moving into that space, talking about kind of herbal and holistic methods, for different types of preventative care in the sexual wellness and reproductive space, what are some things that you recommend just kind of like in the preventative side of things, like good herbs or supplements for people to, to consider for optimum health in in those spaces, both men and women? Yeah, that's a great question. So when it comes to balancing hormones, I think that that, um, term gets thrown around a lot like oh my hormones are off balance and I need to regulate my hormones which is a valid thought but it's not necessarily something that is going to be able to be um, pinpointed with herbs specifically for hormones because there aren't really any herbs or medicines in general that are in in the holistic sense going to balance your hormones back because there's so many different things happening in our body where when we're using something that's labeled a balancing hormone, it's actually acting on something else in our body. So maybe that is the ability to, um, maybe that's the ability to create the LH, the luteinizing hormone, which is something that is able to, it helps, let's see, okay, the luteinizing hormone leads to ovulation, and if we're taking something to regulate our hormones, it's not going to be fixated on the hormone regulation. It might be on a specific hormone like the LH 
or it could be something like the follicle stimulating hormone. Mm. So it's not necessarily regulating your hormones as much as allowing them to work more smoothly together through the cycle. So if you want, I would be happy to go through the cycle process and what that looks like in our bodies. Yeah, that would be amazing. Cool. So on one of the first days of our cycle, there's low estrogen and progesterone, and that signals the pituitary gland to release the follicle-stimulating hormone, which begins the menstruation process. So that's when you begin your moon cycle, and that's when the uterine lining is starts to move out of our bodies. And then a few days into that, the follicle-stimulating hormone matures the follicle in the ovary, and that produces estrogen. And then in the middle, which I would say is like the highest point of it, well, it's the ovulation point, so it's the middle of our cycle. The estrogen signals the pituitary gland to release the luteinizing hormone, which leads to ovulation. So that is that point of ovulating. And then as we continue on, the uterus is waiting for an egg to come in and prepares for pregnancy. And then towards the end of the cycle, the cord- the corpus luteum uh, breaks down. So there's less estrogen and progesterone and those are like less produced in our body and the uterine lining starts to break down again. So that's kind of the cycle of our body um, as far as hormones when it comes to our moon cycle. And really what we want to think about in this cycle is how we can nourish our bodies the most in these different processes of menstruating, ovulating, and then going through the the following phases and what we need in those specific phases that will give our body the nutrients that we need specifically. So more aligned with that than hormone regulation. Does that make sense? No, that makes so much sense. I really appreciate that understanding. And I, and this is an episode that I actually want to do like a whole episode that's just about the the moon cycle and in the four inner seasons but my mm-hmm. perspective is a little bit more like spiritual and yours is so much, it's more like scientific, which I really appreciate. So it's good to have this, you know, information out there. So I appreciate that. Um, you can continue and, and yeah, if you have any recommendations for how to support the various phases, that would be amazing. Yeah. So something that I just feel is so important in Every phase is really important, but if we're trying to keep this super simple and something that's going to stick in everyone's mind, menstruation is the phase where we are bleeding and we are discarding so much from our body and it takes so much energy to go through that process. And the foods and nutrients that we're taking in at that time are really critical. So we want nutrient-dense foods with lower carbs, um, antioxidant-rich foods, which are going to be all of your colorful foods, trace minerals, which um, nettle is great for, as I spoke on, and oat straw are really amazing. So I'll usually make a tea that is nettle, oat straw, rose hips, um, marshmallow root sometimes and burdock root because those are really supportive for moving through the menstruation process making sure you're drinking a lot of water i think that that is uh usually forgotten but it is such an imperative part of the menstruation phase because we're losing 
I don't know about you and what your flow is like, but I lose so much blood when I'm menstruating. And I know that that's all blood created from the water that I'm taking in. And we need to be able to replenish our bodies in that way. So drinking water is so important in the menstruation phase. Okay, beautiful. And do you have anything on like preventative care or like things to support men's bodies or like men's specific systems? Anything like that? Yeah. So Vitex Berry is great. And that's more for women and Dung Kwai are going to be really supportive for just ovarian health in general and being able to go in the more preventative side of that. And for men, I would say papaya seeds. Papaya seeds are great for the men's, for the gonads and for being able to move through that process in a healthy way where you're ejaculating, you're bringing semen back in and then going through the process again. Papaya seeds are amazing for that, but they also can have the effect of making you less fertile. So that has been a uh, a method that I've used in the past is both myself and my partner eating papaya seeds while also tracking my cycle. But that's a great way to prevent pregnancies. No way. Do you only take it during certain parts of your cycle or is it like just across the board you take papaya seeds? Mm -hmm. I take it every day and I am, so I'll buy papayas and then scoop out the seeds, dry them in a dehydrator. Or if you live somewhere sunny and dry. You can just set them out and let them dry and then put them in a jar after they're completely dried. And you can just like take them and swallow them or chew them up or put them in a smoothie or something. But I take like three teaspoons a day. Interesting. Wow. Nifty. Okay, cool. Yeah. The cheap birth control way. I mean, obviously I also recommend tracking your cycle and (laughs) being aware of that as well. But I've found that papaya seeds are a really amazing, like second line of defense. <laughs> Beautiful, which is great. Definitely, especially because there's always those times where there's going to be an accident. So it's good to feel like you have a few layers of protection totally. in, in place that are holistic and healthy for your body. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. So moving into that we've kind of gone through some like ways to stimulate just health overall and like preventative care moving now into herbal and holistic methods for like common sexual issues. So talking about things like STDs, STIs, um, pelvic inflammatory disease, you know, uh, induced mm-hmm. menstruation on the men's side, erectile dysfunction or any other issues that they might have, um, as well as even uh, UTIs and things like that, that are just like super common. I know for myself, I've struggled with like some of these and like antibiotics totally killed my system. And so now I'm definitely in a more holistic space and I feel really grateful for the things I found. I'm curious kind of where, where you're at with that. Totally. So we can talk about pelvic inflammatory disease first. You said that you have your own experience with that. Um, so I actually got pelvic inflammatory disease because of my UTI or not UTI, U, IUD, sorry, my IUD. There's some okay. like letters here that we're working totally. with. CDSVI, IUD, UTI, IPD. Like, okay. So yeah, when I had my IUD, I had so many issues 
which I think is like very common and unfortunately not something that we're given a lot of information about before. So like, as soon as I got that, it was like constant problems with, you know, my cycle with, you know, my, like I had ovarian cysts because of it, like, you know, a pelvic inflammatory. What can I ask what kind you had? I'm also going to open my window really quick. Go ahead. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. What kind did you have? I believe it was a Mirena. Okay. Yeah. So one that had hormones in it. Yeah. It definitely had hormones in it. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing. So um, pelvic inflammatory disease is the inflammation of the female pelvic organs or tissues, just going over for people who might not know. And this is often due to an ascending intravaginal infection, but it can be caused by some other things. So it sounds like yours was because of your IUD, but probably because you had some inflammation and possible infection around your IUD. Yeah, that's had it. They had said that like because of the insertion, it made like the space, like the entry to that space, like more susceptible to disease because of the inflammation and because of the like the widening of the space or something. It was really confusing. I was like 20 and didn't know what they were talking about. Totally. Have have you since had any um, issues with your liver or noticed anything with your liver? I don't think so, but I would be curious to know what that would look like. Totally. Yeah. Because pelvic inflammatory disease is, it usually coincides with liver chi, which is like the liver energy stagnation. And that transforms into heat and fire in the blood. So. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Did you feel that? Yeah. I mean, I know that like in Ayurveda, my, my primary dosha is Pitta. So I have a lot. Mm. I don't know if this is like perpetuated that or what but yeah yeah totally and it's when when there's something that's aggravating the liver like that it really starts to affect the rest of your body because the liver is so essential the the liver cleanses our blood and there's actually an hour in the night called liver hour it's like 3 a.m and our liver expands almost three times the size of what it normally is throughout the day when we're laying horizontal because it fills up with all the blood and our liver is just cycling and moving that blood through. So when you have something like pelvic inflammatory disease that is affecting your liver and possibly bringing up the heat in your blood, which is then in turn affecting your liver, that can really start to come up in a lot of a lot of different ways and inflammation is a big one did did you notice inflammation anywhere else in your body honestly it was it was years ago so I don't really remember I mean I think in general like at that point in my life I was just pretty disconnected from my body like in many ways um but definitely like moving into like I think it was like a couple years after that that I finally got the IUD removed because essentially they just give you when you have you know public inflammatory disease they give you an antibiotic and they're like cool you're good when in reality like not only do you need to cure that but then you have these follow-up symptoms of you know fucking with your liver which I wasn't aware of so um but a lot of the issues I mean pretty much all of the issues went away like as, as soon as I got the IUD out, I had like one really bad period after I got it out. And then I was like, good. wow. 
So it was right after that you noticed a drastic change. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, um, and it usually has has something to do with the inflammation of the fallopian tubes as well. That's something that's pretty common with uh, pelvic inflammatory disease. And one thing that I would specifically recommend for something that is an inflammatory disease of any sort of cycle, but specifically something that is going to be targeted towards women is echinacea. Mm. So echinacea is, it's an herb and you use the root leaf and flower and it is, it's so good for so many things. So it's anti-inflammatory, it's immunomodulating, which means that it is enhancing your immune system. In part, that could create a little bit of inflammation at the front end because that's your body's first line of defense against an infection, right? That's why we get inflamed. But the idea is that we're using echinacea to boost our immunity, to move those um, irritants, whatever's causing the inflammation out of our body. And a recommendation for that would be if there is something that you know is obstructing your body, like an IUD, to first correct that or look at that and see if that's something that you want to remove for your, from your body or what your next step is in that. Because if your body's not able to remove something like an IUD by itself, then the inflammation could essentially get worse before it gets better. But if you know that there's an obstruction like that, it is really compromising your body's ability to take care of the underlying cause or the underlying um, symptom, which would be pelvic inflammatory disease. Okay, cool. And then so with the healing process of pelvic inflammatory disease, this is a great, um, you know, tool or resource or supplement. And then you had mentioned though, that this can lead to other issues with your liver. What are some things that might be available to kind of stimulate, you know, that, that healing? Yeah. So, um, I would use, I would use, uh, fever wart, which is going to be, it's also called bone set. And that is something that you're going to use the aerial part of the herb. And that is going to be, it's going to be slightly Mm -hmm. laxative, but mainly diuretic. And diuretic means that it is, it makes you urinate more, makes you pee. So Mm -hmm. when you're able to pee, you're moving toxins through your body at a faster rate. And your urine is taking those toxins and releasing them from your body. That's why we have this process of elimination. And if you're taking an herb, that's going to stimulate your ability to urinate and make it so that it's in shorter increments. It gives the body kind of like a head start on being able to um, see those toxins, move them through the liver to process them and bring them right into the urine. Beautiful. Okay, great. I think I would also recommend just another thing that I would recommend to in the healing process. So that would be more of like still continuing to move out a an inflammatory or toxin. But if we're like in the final stages and you've um, addressed what's causing the inflammation, you've moved it out of your body through diuretics like bone set. 
and you are now in the healing phase, I would use a very mucilaginous herb like marshmallow root or licorice root. And those things are super like, I don't know if you've ever used either of those, but if you let licorice root sit in water, it becomes like jello or marshmallow root. Like the water just turns into just like sludge almost. And that's going to be very healing and therapeutic for the lining of your um, pelvis and your liver around your liver and everything else that's moving through that process. So it's really just going to coat your organs in a good way. Beautiful. And does, are these, you know, healing herbs and remedies, are they similar for other like STDs or STIs? Are there specific things that you recommend for like specific, you know, common ailments in that space? Yeah, you know, that's, um, that's a good question. I think that when we're using herbs, it really depends on what that STD is specifically causing in our body if it's something that is inflammatory echinacea but if it's something that is maybe causing dryness in our body like that might be one of the symptoms of an std then you would really like stds are tricky because you can't really like rid your body of them with herbs but you can manage your symptoms so if you have something that is going to dry out your body, then I would use a mucilaginous herb like marshmallow or licorice and take that in topically or take that in internally and also use it topically in baths and things of that nature. But it really just depends on what those symptoms are because STDs aren't something that you're able to use herbs to cure, but you can really help manage the symptoms. Okay, cool. So I, so I don't really know a lot about like diseases and infections and things like that, like really at all. Um, so, you know, I think that a lot of people, including myself, if something like this were to come up, it's like, Oh, I just want to get this taken care of as soon as possible. So they often go and take an antibiotic. Is that something that you would recommend? And then like, after you take the antibiotic and obviously, you know, being putting out the um what's the word the like blanket statement of you know like consult your doctor consult your highest truth to figure out what's best for you but generally speaking would you recommend like taking the antibiotic and then dealing with the symptoms of an antibiotic or allowing depending on the disease or the infection for your body to heal it itself while managing the symptoms great question so what I like to utilize doctors for is a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that's really helpful. And something that I do often is if I have something that's going on in my body and I can't quite diagnose it myself, I may, like maybe you need an MRI or maybe you need something that's more in depth to know exactly what's going on. And then I will go to a doctor to get a diagnosis. And after that, when you have an idea of what's going on in your body, then you can look at why that diagnosis is happening, what's coming up in your body, and what symptoms you are seeing of that in your body, as well as ways to uh, move through and move that out of your body, utilizing herbs and natural remedies. But 
No. In the in the big picture, I do not recommend taking antibiotics unless you feel really aligned with that and that feels like the right choice for you. Um, because I, I do believe there's so many herbs out there that are antibacterial, antiviral, and they can help you move these things out of your body in a more natural way without killing all of your good bacterias, which you need and they're essential for our lives here. So really taking that with a grain of salt if you are taking antibiotics and that feels aligned for you, absolutely. But just knowing that there are other ways to manage um, not only symptoms, but get to the root cause of the disease. I feel like I'm not really able to give a direct answer because we're kind of talking about STDs in general and it's very broad. But if we have a specific thing that we can hone in on, then there's there's more ability to go into detail about exactly what uh, remedies you would use and the protocol you would go through. Absolutely. And I think that this is a good depth to go to on the podcast, but it's something that like, I think overall what we're saying here is like, if you're diagnosed with like something, whether it's like an STD or an STI, or it's like a completely different like issue, we have this tendency as humans, to like try to find the solution as fast as possible. And the idea here is like, take a deep breath, like get the diagnosis, but also look for other opinions, especially those you know, that are looking at more holistic uh, perspectives. So maybe if you have one of these experiences, take the time to either really do the research yourself or hire someone or work with someone, invest in, you know, a, in a nature, not your naturopath or, or, you know, naturopath. Yeah. Um, to, to help you with that, that issue that's very specific and tailored to you. Cause it's also one of those things that I'm sure that you can attest, like, you know, not every like, this the same supplements aren't going to work the same for every person too. So like having that that tailored um, approach is is super helpful. So that's kind of what we're getting at. Yeah, absolutely, I agree, and I think that that's really important to remember. Like just because your friend went through this procedure and used these remedies and went through this uh, game plan of how to fix their um, ailments, whatever that may be, and you might have the exact same symptoms, it doesn't necessarily mean that your diagnosis is going to be the same, that you have the exact same thing going on in your body, but things can show up in the same way with a different underlying cause. Yeah. So that's why it's very important to work with someone one-on-one. Beautiful. And I think also just to put in here too, there is so much shame and guilt around like sexual health in general but this is like a very normal part of our, our human experience. And like, there's nothing really shameful about like taking care of your body, especially if you're being really honest with yourself, because I think a lot of people like are secretly freaking out behind closed doors, but are going out and, you know, still being sexually active and potentially causing more issues for, for other people. So like, it's honestly something to take pride in that you are like, you know, showing up for your health. So just yeah. putting that there as a, yeah, absolutely. Take care of your health. For sure. Cool. Um, so I feel like we covered that sort of side of things. I think maybe talking about, um, you know, I like to, and again, to be completely um, transparent with the listeners, the reason, like I had been following you for, for a few months or maybe a year, I'm not sure, before I reach out to you about this interview. And I loved your content, but I think specifically, like, again, I've been practicing FAM for, um, a couple of years and I recently had a sexual experience in which 
you know, I was ovulating and we weren't using, you know, condoms or any of the, the more obvious um, forms of birth control. And essentially, but being aware of like when I'm ovulating and typically being pretty careful around ovulation. But this time I wasn't so careful because life is life. And sometimes you're in the heat of the moment. And I was pretty sure I'd be fine. It was near the end of, you know, my ovulatory phase, but I was like, you know what, maybe it's good to just like seek out if there's another, like, again, adding another level of security there just in case. So I'd reached out to you in regards to like talking about um, more natural form of birth control or waste yeah. administration. And you had offered some great resources for me. And I'd love to just kind of input those there or right here in this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I am going to just pull up what you said to me really quick because I <laughs> I remember the conversation. Oh, I sent you a, a voice message. Yeah, you did. Okay, you, you, you yeah. suggested that one herb that you mentioned earlier, Dawn. I don't Why? Know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're just wanting me to recap what I had what I had said to you. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, for sure. So if you have one of those moments, which they totally happen, that's why I have my second child. <laughs> um, to be more preventative, Dung Kwai is something that is really, um, what's the right way to describe Dung Kwai? Because it has so many different qualities and it can be utilized in so many different ways. And in the traditional Chinese medicine sense, it's, it's used to treat menstrual cramps and menopausal symptoms such as hot flashes and different things that will come up with menopause. Yeah. But if you're taking Dung Kwai as a preventative or as a secondary third line of defense, um, it's great because it is a menagogue, which means that it will stimulate your menstruation if it's around that time, or it will just like begin to move your body in a way that it's going to uh, stimulate your womb space to move and not be able to hold on to a fertilized egg. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so that's why you would take Dung Kwai is for the stimulation effect of the womb space. And that's really what it does is makes it difficult for a fertilized egg to catch on your uterine lining. And that's why it could be utilized as a third line of birth control. Yeah, another line of defense there. Yeah, yeah and then you have both. And to, to follow up with like my story and that I did end up ordering it. I took the tea like once a day from the time that it came in, which was like a few days after, you know, the sexual interaction that I had, um, which again, that specific time, like it was borderline. So I probably, you know, there probably wasn't a fertilized egg. It would, it would be one of those kind of like borderline miracle situations if I did. But at the same time, like, I know that I'm not in that place. I'd rather just be rather safe than sorry. And now I have the herb in my, you know, pantry just in case it ever happens again. But essentially I ended up starting my period on time and, and everything was great. So nice. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, 
Cool. Are there any other things that you, you think might be good for like talking about maybe like in the early stages of like missing your period, inducing menstruation, or like even, you know, talking about inducing miscarriage, if that's something that like people are, are approaching, if you feel comfortable talking about something like that. Yeah, totally. I think that just as a disclaimer, of course, I think that you should work one-on-one with an herbalist or a naturopath just because they can give you the specific um, remedies and help you to weigh everything out, make sure that you're taking the right amount for your body style and your typical flow and what you look Mm -hmm. like as far as where you're at in your cycle and making sure that you're really like on point with that because it's really not something to fuck around with because you can, you don't want to try to induce a miscarriage and be unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. You know, that could be dangerous. And if you come to a place where you have tried that and it didn't work, and then maybe you want to, you decide to continue with the pregnancy, it could be, um, it could be harmful for, you're developing fetus. So just making sure that like, that's 100% what you want to do. And if it's not, um, if you're not able to find relief through herbs that you're still going to continue with that choice, you know, it can't just be like something that you decide you're going to do and then it didn't work. So you're going to continue, you know? Yeah. I really appreciate that perspective because I think that, um, yeah, I think that it's really important to like for people to understand the gravity of the situation and also appreciate your vulnerability and even talking about this because I know that it can be very triggering, you know, for everyone involved, even just like I'm not in that situation and I've never been in that situation, thank God. But, you know, like there's that thought, you know, like, well, what if? And I think that it's really important for the people understand that there are other paths. Um, so I appreciate your vulnerability and in being able to like create a, a safe space to talk about those things. Yeah. Absolutely. So continuing, I would utilize amenagogues. And just to recap what that word means is that it's going to stimulate your menstrual flow. And one of the great, really readily available uh, herbs for this is ginger because it's Mm. so warming, such a stimulating herb that if you're drinking ginger tea, you know you've been drinking ginger tea because it will warm your body, your digestion starts moving and things start getting really stimulated and ginger tea is something that you can go to right away and I would use it as a standard infusion which is going to be so spicy but it works and it's going to really stimulate your your womb space and stimulate your bowels and everything's going to be moving but if that's the goal then ginger tea is an amazing and widely available thing. So I would use ginger powders best because it has a um, bigger surface area than if you buy the fresh ginger root, but fresh ginger root works as well. And a um, standard infusion, just the wives tale way or the wise woman way is to, if you have a jar, you're going to fill a third of the jar with the herb. So it'd be a third ginger powder, which is going to be so intense. Maybe with ginger powder, you can do a little bit less because it's so intense, but then the rest of it is going to be water. So that's a lot of herb to water ratio, you know? Mm. And I would, um, use that. You could, you could do the, um, one to three ratio and then pour off the top 
the water. You would do it with boiling water, pour boiling water in it and let it sit and then pour off the top water. And there's still going to be a ton of ginger powder left. And then you'll fill that back up with boiling water and let that steep again. And you can just reuse that. And I would drink it every morning, middle of the day and evening. And if you're trying to use it to induce a miscarriage or bring on your menstrual cycle and I would um, utilize it until that ginger powder is gone, which is going to be a lot of days, probably at least like four or five days. Wow. Okay, cool. Thank you for that information. Again, putting out there better to do this under the, um, with with the guidance of, of a professional and as well touching into the fact that like knowing that like, if, if you're, you know, that you're pregnant and this is the decision that you're deciding to make, like being committed to follow through with, you know, you know, other medicinal needs or, you know, surgery or whatever, being aware that like that, it might, you know, come to that as well. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Cool. So I think the last thing that I'd like to touch in on would be more on like the masculine side, maybe like anything that you have on erectile dysfunction or even like prostate, any, I don't, I don't know, you know, the men's issues as well as I know the women's issues because they're more personal to me, but if there's anything specifically that you've seen that you'd like to touch it on. Yeah. So erectile dysfunction is an interesting one because it is something that in my mind and in traditional Chinese medicine, there's a blockage happening and Mm -hmm. that's why there is ED. And Mm -hmm. what we're going to really focus on for something like that would be, um, it would be an adaptogen or something that's going to just vitalize your entire being rather than like, I'm taking this for erectile dysfunction. Yeah. You're going to take into account that your whole body body must be suffering in some way if that is a um, symptom that you are experiencing. So Panix ginseng is an amazing adaptogen, my favorite one, and I take it every day. And you can take it little by little. But the thing is with uh, adaptogens is they're not for people who have been like on this steady decline and they're like at rock bottom with their health. All adaptogens should be taken regularly and on a steady basis. So just because you have erectile dysfunction doesn't mean that you're like down here and just like needing extra support. But if you're noticing other symptoms, like you're really stressed and you're gaining a lot of water weight and things like that, then utilizing an adaptogen isn't necessarily the first step. So an adaptogen is going to be something that is really long-term support, something that's going to help just the bodily functions in general. So ED, your um, blood viscosity and how your blood moves through your veins, anti-inflammatory and things that are just pretty um, regular and minor in your body, but will vastly make a difference in the long run. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think a lot of things like I work with people that have erectile dysfunction pretty often. And like, I think that in general, a lot of like a lot, I mean, pretty much every health issue comes back to like, how are you treating yourself? And like a lot of it's mental and like, are you working on your inner self? Are you like spiritually, like emotionally, you know, physically getting your needs met intimately? Um, 
that's something to also consider that like taking, you know, a supplement isn't just going like, gonna solve all your problems. So but it's definitely a great way to have support. Yeah. So I would say um ginseng for the first first step if you're like kind of at this place where you're noticing some bodily functions aren't where you'd like them to be. The next higher up step would be maca. Have you ever used maca or heard of maca? I've heard of it and I've had it like in things like as a mix, but I'm not I'm not super familiar with the exact yeah. Yeah. So maca is a root and it really assists our body in being able to process um, toxins, mm-hmm. but it also really helps. It helps the bodily function and remove any barriers or um, obstacles like we were talking about before. You know, it's also really highly nutritious. So if you're missing a nutrient from your daily diet and I don't want to discount the importance of proper nutrition in this in this whole experience because it's really what it comes down to. Herbs are amazing and they have helped so many people, but the first step is really making sure that what we're putting in our body on a daily basis is going to be the foundation for our life, you know? So making sure that we are taking in adequate protein and nutrients and um, supporting ourselves in that way. And then herbs are kind of like the next thing that we can do when we're noticing that something is off. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So yeah, maca is very nutritious and it increases your libido, which is helpful when you have ED because you get the, the feelings flowing and it helps to relieve the symptoms of menopause and ED by um, the natural decline of those hormones in our body. And it will kind of heighten how those hormones are regulated and move through our body. So it kind of like opens the gates a little bit more. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Kind of wrapping up here with like the last couple of questions I wanted to touch in with um, or my bonus question that I ask all my guests, which is what awakens your arrows? What turns you on? What makes you feel erotically alive and juicy? I love that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, if I'm being completely honest, it takes a lot for me to get to that place. And I think that just kind of comes with my lifestyle of being a mom and a business owner and, juggling different things all at once. I feel like my sexual experience has really been like not highest priority and doing my best to make it climb that ladder (laughs) and bring that up to the top. So something that awakens me is having at least like a couple of hours before where there's like intimacy happening, whether that's deep conversations or just like snuggling or nice touches, just like a real connection happening and continuing with that, like moving very slowly. Like my partner and I take a bath every night together, but we do not have sex every night. (laughs) We take a bath every night and that just feels like a really good touch and point of connection. And being able to like really bring the intimacy into our relationship. But if that's to continue, I really need someone to like touch my body and love my body before they 
even start to try to make moves on me. So it takes a lot of just like real connection and love to get me to that point. So massages and asking me deep questions about my day and what my dreams are and things that really touch into my soul Mm -hmm. is how I am able to open and feel more relaxed and letting someone in and being sexual with someone. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. And I think it's very similar for a lot of women, just this idea of like being able to feel safe with your partner, to be vulnerable, like is the gateway to like a sacred surrender that like creates like cosmic, you know, bliss and orgasmic state. So I love that. Um, and what exciting growth, like projects or specialties are you, are you getting into now? I know you're, you're, you've been talking a lot about this space of like creating, um, pathways for, for others that are interested in getting into the work that you're doing. And I think that maybe going into that and other. Totally. I recently transitioned from taking one-on-one clients and working with clients one-on-one to working with other students to become a naturopathic coach themselves. So I've set up an entire course that is teaching everyone step-by-step all about herbs, nutrition, and vitalism, and going through a 90-day program with me as your teacher. And by the end of 90 days, they are a certified naturopathic coach and can begin taking on -on one-on-one clients themselves to move through this process. So that is my new exciting um, gift that I am so elated. And the course starts on July 12th. So if you want to get in on the applications, you can find them on my Instagram. Oh my God, that's perfect. I think that this episode is actually going to go like live, like on the 12th or the 13th or something. So that'll be the perfect way to kind of like align the the marketing of that. So I'll definitely mention mentioned that with a launch, but thank you so much for sharing that. And also just where can listeners find you or support you or get involved in this program? Yeah. So I'm mostly on Instagram right now at ritually rooted, R-I-T-U-A-L-L-Y-R-O-T-R-O-O-T-E-D. <laughs> can say that again. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram. That's where most of my content is and where I'm speaking to a lot of the different natural remedies that we can use as well as how to become a naturopathic coach yourself. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for all of this wisdom. I think it's going to be so insightful and helpful for my personal life, but also for the listeners. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you again, Paige, for joining me today. And I also want to express my gratitude to the listener. Thank you once more for opening yourself up to the idea of sacred sexuality. And if this podcast resonates with you, I'd love to hear it in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective. And your reviews also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. And if you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, I'd love it if you screenshotted this podcast and shared it on your social media. And if you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. With so much gratitude and love, have a sexy and spiritual day, and I'll catch you next week on Talk Tantra to Me. Ta-ta!